He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. E akumanu taki, e akumanu tai koa. Nau mai rā ki, te ahikā. He hōtaka tēnei hei whakawhānui ake i ngā kaupapa o te ao Māori, ko Justine Murray ahau. We are back with season two of He Kākano Ahau, Wawatatia, Reimagining the Future. Presenter Kahukutia is in Te Upoko o Te Ika, Wellington, with Kali Materua, Ruby Solly, Ariana Tikao, and Te Kahurere Mua Taumata, who are part of the Tonga Puro Quartet, Mayangi Nui. In this conversation, the women discuss how colonisation and the Tohunga Suppression Act led to the erosion of Tonga Puro, but the tenacity and perseverance of both Pākehā and Māori led to a resurgence. This is He Puro in the city. May we boundlessly dream of possibilities beyond our wildest imaginations. I dream of a world where we can be our fluid selves. May we weave communities of support, compassion and active solidarity. I dream of a world where we can come together. With our histories in front of us and our tūpuna at our shoulders, may we walk into a future that is connected and thriving for all. I dream of a world where Māori people have got our land back. Where Takatapui can be free. Where Indigenous knowledge is recognised. And as we we heal the tayo, we naturally heal ourselves. My name is Kahu Kutia and this is Hikaka Noaho, Season 2. Piki mai, kake mai. There's a very real grief that I feel sometimes when I think of all the things that were impacted by colonisation. The ways our land and our language were taken from us. The ways our knowledge and our tikanga were buried. I'm so grateful for the blood, sweat and tears of our kaumātua and pakeke, all the ways they've worked to ensure that what we do still have today is protected. Because it means that those of us who are mokopuna of the Māori Renaissance can put our energy into uplifting the knowledge that did survive, doing so in a way that makes sense for us today. One part of the revival that I find really interesting and so cool is Taonga Puro. We're spending this episode in Te Whanganuia Tara. I'm pretty stoked to be here. I've just left here and moved to Rotorua, and I've been really missing my city. Kia ora! Oh, Kia ora! Kia ora! Kia ora! One of my favourite things about being here is our welly creative whānau. Today, we get to catch up with a few of them and have some pretty typical yarns. I need a, I need a sexy portal ASMR account. Oh my gosh. I just want Māori ASMR. My only fans. Yeah, do it. First up, let's meet Kali Materoa. She's a hearty Nazi from Reporua on the East Coast, and she was lucky enough to grow up immersed in Kohangareo in Kurakaupapa with a good grounding in Te Ao Māori. Mm. Yeah, I think colonisation is a B word. So it means that a lot of our kōrero have been mixed up or lost or misinterpreted or reinterpreted in a way that decenters our atua wahine. There's no way that you can tell me a story like Pūtehue 
and how she swallowed the biggest storm and like not have her sit as a very integral part of that kōrero. Carly's a Tonga Puro player, along with her bandmate Ruby Solly, who's here too. Ruby's giving big auntie vibes today with her outfit and big glasses. I've got them on because I've got this sty on my eye and it's massive and it looks like someone punched me. Have you got my Nah, probably won't, but only for trauma reasons. Like, I'm sure it works. Ruby's kaitahu and a super talented poet and musician. Um, you can tell I'm the nerdy one in the copa. Straight away. Like, Nazi nerd. Um, Nazi nerd. Like, Kati nerd. Really. Yeah, that's really how a lot of our hangs go. Half serious Māori revival and decol and half hyena cackle cry laughing. And, you know, balance is important. But eventually I decide we probably should get to the kaupapa. I'm here to talk about Taonga Puro. If you haven't heard or seen Taonga Puro before, they're pretty much Māori instruments. They can be made from all sorts of materials, but traditionally things like wood, bone and stone. And these instruments were seen not just as musical instruments, but as tools of kind of superstition. They were really important for our people historically. because music was just integrated through all parts of life. So to be used for ritual, would be used for healing, would be used for the passing down of pūrāko, which in fact can be a healing thing in itself, especially for things like mental distress. Ruby knows this because she uses them in her mahi as a music therapist. So we had things like... What's something I could show? Ruby picks up the pūtangitangi, it's made of clay and sits comfortably in the palm of her hand. The breathing that you have to do to play is very similar to that, like, really deep tangi that you that you do for funerals. Or I often do like that little kid cry, like. So that was to get that that crying started and get that out. And since a lot of our Indigenous communication could be done in a non-verbal way, and these are kind of like a pre-deal in some ways, that would be a way to do that instead of looking at talk therapy, maybe for somebody who's not as up for talking as other people might be. In Te Māori, I can think of a lot of really beautiful, very quiet people where that would work far better Mm. than being like, what's wrong? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to have her cry? Ruby describes Taonga Puro as like another reo, but maybe one that's a bit more accessible if you can't find the words in English or te reo Māori. And as Tangata Whaiora myself, like, I know that when you're unwell, it's really hard to learn another language, even when it is your first language once removed, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you feel a deep sense of mama and a deep sense of guilt at not being able to do it as easily as other people. Mm-hmm. But learning this is like learning another reo Māori, mm-hmm. and that's something that people in that position can do that gives them that strength to move towards wellness. I love that Taonga Puro can be more than just instruments. They are tools to our wairuatanga, our spirituality. It's also one of the reasons that they almost disappeared entirely. 
Tohunga people were banned as part of the Tohunga Suppression Act. The 1907 Tohunga Suppression Act was one of the many ways that cultural erasure was actively written into our law. The bill made illegal a lot of our traditional healing practices, as well as the tools of that practice. The way Ruby puts it, the original intentions of the bill weren't entirely bad. One of the purposes was actually to protect Māori from people who were saying that they were Tohunga who weren't actually Tohunga, and that was putting some people in danger, especially with modern illnesses that were coming to New Zealand at that time mm-hmm. from Pākehā and Tawaiui immigrants. But they were still mostly, yeah, pretty bad. It really was to suppress our culture and all the visible parts that were kind of above water. Um, Ruby's talking Pākehā about Edward T. Hall's cultural iceberg model, which suggests that about 10% of a culture is above water, is visible. That's things like what we wear, the songs we sing, the language we speak. Most of the culture, though, sits under the surface, underwater, and it's less visible to outsiders. For us, that's things like how we relate to each other or to the whenua. So all the stuff that was really obvious, they could get rid of through this one act, really. Let's leave Newtown now and head over to the leafy heights of Karori. I'm off to find Ariana Tikau. She's a singer, composer and super brainy knowledge holder from Kaitahu as well. As if that wasn't enough, she's also a 2020 arts laureate who's been working in the music space for a really long time. I've come to see Ariana because I know that at some point we got a lot of our knowledge about Puro back and I think she might be the person who can tell me about it. So here's what we know. In the mid-80s, there was a series of hui to recall any information related to Taonga Puoro. There were a lot of people there, but some of the names you might be familiar with are Nai Tuhoi musician and composer Hedini Melbourne, teacher and jazz musician Richard Nunns, and Nelson Carver and instrument maker Brian Flintoff. This group called themselves Haumanu. It was a name chosen by Brian to mean the breath of the birds. But when he shared the name with the rest of the group... Henini just kind of smiled, <laughs> and because he knew that there was this other meaning behind it as well. Haumanu also means revival. So after one of those hui, this passionate group, Haumanu, set off on a journey with support from Komatua across the country. Yeah, they would get together in Wānanga and go out to Marae and go and talk to um, elders uh, or kaimātua at the time um, and they would gather up stories. So it was a really kind of flax roots-based <laughs> movement, I guess, and each little kōrero uh, became kind of a, a thread that brought this whāreki back. So at that point, when they were going out and collecting all these stories, was there pretty much nothing known about Puro? I mean, not really in the mainstream. Um, so, yeah, there was only little snippets and whānau memories of sound, but also um, sometimes it might have been, you know, somebody had heard about the sound of an instrument or, yeah, it wasn't intact. 
tradition, I suppose, at that time. That's how we get musicians like Ariana, Ruby and Carly today, because of those first adventurers who travelled the country, heading to as many marae as they could, painstakingly piecing together all these little scraps of information, memories and unearthed taonga from dusty cupboards. It's a pretty remarkable story, really. I find it quite interesting that it was both Pākehā and Māori involved. We have these allies that, that have supported the Tonga to, to come back. And so, yeah, that's, that's because of them, you know, dedicating decades of their lives that we are in the position that we're in now. These days, Ariana, Ruby and Carly all perform together along with a fourth member, Te Kahurere Moa Taumata, in an all-wahine taonga puro collective called Mai Anginui. It's really significant that they are all wahine, because wahine have always been part of the world of taonga puro, but I think that's something that history's forgotten. One of the effects of colonisation, I think, has been the restructuring of our society in terms of the role of wahine. And um, so, yeah, some people kind of have a misconception that women don't play. I've had some people you know, having issues with me playing pukaia and stuff like that, and I think that's because of the English translation of um, war trumpet. <laughs> Even, yeah, in our traditions, you know, wahine were warriors anyway and fought, so, yeah, there's a lot of working through and, and undoing of those misconceptions that are put in our way, especially for wahine Māori. Yeah, rather than taking away from the tāne and the movement of Tāngaporo that the wahine coming forward now are kind of coming up to just take our natural place alongside them. to Newtown now, where Carly and Ruby have laid a table in front of us with a whole bunch of tonga. I'm feeling like a kid in a candy store looking at all of these beautiful instruments. Some of them are super beautifully carved in wood and bone. Some are colourful and bound with string and feathers. Some are actually really simple. A couple river stones, long thin bones and sticks, a simple wooden tube. Most of these are really familiar to Carly. Tonga Pruro have been part of her life since high school. Instead of like a lunch bell, we had a putatara. Carly went to St Joseph's Māori Girls' School in the Hawke's Bay. That's one of a number of kura that deliver education under the kaupapa known as te ahomatua. That was how you, you know, knew you were the cool kid if you could go and play the putatara because not everybody could get a real good voice on it. And I was good at it, so I loved it. Mm. Ruby Solly played Kuowo in primary school. 
I think it's amazing that in the space of about 30 years, these taonga have gone from being half buried and just remembered to being placed in the hands of tamariki all over Aotearoa. I asked Kali and Ruby if they'd show me a couple of their taonga. This one's a pumotomoto, which is the same name for the Fontanelle. This one's actually especially cool for you because it's from a tuhui in Kōrero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it when people do iwi shout-outs. It's one of my favourite things, um, little iwi shout-out. And so um, that Kōrero is that this was played into the pumotomoto, the Fontanelle, but it was also played... Um, over the mother when she was pregnant as well. Mm. And so it's a very subtle instrument um, for that reason. Like, you wouldn't want to be playing drum and bass to (laughs) a newborn baby. (laughs) But um, And then once the baby was born, since they'd been used to hearing it in utero, they'd kind of calmed down when they heard that instrument. So this is my tiny little baby one. Mm. This is a kuo pongaihu. So these kind of invoke um, the song of peace that was pushed out of Hinepute or the Hue um, after the the big battle. Um, so they've got like a really soft, sweet song that people have to really kind of tune in to hear, which in itself helps people to calm down and be peaceful. I know Kali has a lot of the purako that relate to taonga pruoro. Should I get my putorino? Yeah. She agrees to share one with us. So this is my version of the story of Rokatodi. So it's got all of my 11 herbs and spices. Um, <laughs> Your secret recipe. My, like, yeah, disclaimer. <laughs> I imagine Rokatauri at the beginning, ite when Rangi and Papa first split. Tani took his daughter Rokatauri to the heart of the Ngahere to the forest where she could be safe and rest. But she was the first of the living creatures to live in the ngahere that was not tethered to papa. And so she'd use the winds and fly up above the tree canopies and keep all of the tōtara and kauri entertained. Until one night when the big storm hit,
and she wrapped herself amongst the Pūdiri trees and stayed there until the storm passed. From her wings came the Fare Ahuru, her Pūtorinu. And as she lived in this whare ahuru, she would often crawl to the top at the waha of her whare, gazing at hina and sing away. And hina would sing back to her with twinkling light, and that would go back and forth between them throughout the phases. The song that Rokatari would sing to Hina was one night heard on the winds by Pepepe. And so Pepepe followed this sound all the way back to Rokatari's Whareahuru. And he would sing back to her. So they fell in love, I suppose, is the way to put it. Raukatauri invited Pepepe into her whare ahuru, but to sustain Raukatauri and her new uri, it was understood that Pepepe was to sacrifice himself, Atinana, to nourish his new whānau. And so when Rokatauri's uri were strong enough to move out into the world, they ate a little waharoa for them to crawl out of and onto the forest floor and Raukatauri sat at this new waha and would sing to her tamariki so they would remember to sing to Pepepe, so they would remember to sing to Hina. Just like with other revivals, with Tonga Pūro there can be this tendency to be quite precious about the knowledge that we do have. That's entirely valid, that makes a lot of sense. This was almost lost, and of course we want to hold tight to it all. But I think it's also important that if a cultural practice is going to thrive, there's space for experimentation and growth. Our tupuna were always experimenting. Ruby's got an example to show me. So this um, is a double-hulled Um And we have like a couple of museum examples of this. 
And now because we have that one or two historical examples, we have them as part of our instruments. But that would have just been a couple of people experimenting. Mm. And as Ariana says, it's so important to know the whole story so we can understand what is growth and what is new. Yeah, it's important to to know, you know, what is from the tradition and what is innovation. We've got this one here, which is a coup. Ariana's coup looks a little bit like a bow and arrow. There are traditional coups out there, but this is not one of them. It's got a guitar string on it. So, you know, obviously we didn't have guitar strings back in the day. But, um, you know, it just makes it a lot louder to play because otherwise, yeah, coup are very personal, sort of quiet instrument. The metal string, I find that the kihikihi in summer can sound quite metallic, so I kind of like to to see that as being an innovation, but it also has kind of um, a resonance with our natural world as well that can sound in that similar way. <laughs> so cool! With the metal string, I find that the kihikihi in summer can sound quite metallic, so I kind of like to to see that as being an innovation, but it also has kind of um, a resonance with our natural world as well that can sound in that similar way. This is so exciting, seeing these wahine play puro, reconnecting our people, finding new ways to articulate connection and belonging. It feels like I can see the potential of what the ao Māori could grow to be. Taonga puro was a tradition that might have disappeared entirely, but with seeds planted by Ako Matua and cared for by players today, Maybe one day we will have this glorious ecosystem of puro players once again. One of my hopes for the future of Taonga Puro is that it just becomes normal in Fano, yeah, on the Marae as well, um, within Pofuri or uh, at Tangi, just wherever we gather, um, that it's just a part of our everyday again. So, and I'm kind of hopeful that that's going to happen um, in the not too distant future. I'm left thinking about all of the revivalists who really made this dream a reality today. The ones who kept the practice quietly alive, the ones who fought to bring it back, and the likes of these wahine today. The revival we're experiencing did not occur by accident, but because of their dreams and ambitions. Like Ariana, I'm wondering what the future can hold for Tonga Puro. If Tonga Puro is another language that we have to speak, I'm thinking about all the corridor that there is still to have. Tina Koto, presenter Kahukutia with Kali Matirua, Ruby Solly, Ariana Tikau, and Te Kahuriremua Taumata, who are part of the Taonga Puro Quartet, Mayanginui. That episode was Puro in the City from season two of Hekakano Aho. Now you can find the entire series right now on the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz.
kua ea, tēnei hōtaka a tiahika. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can, of course, email tiahika at rnz.co.nz. Follow the stories on Facebook, just search RNZ Te Ao Māori, or you can, of course, subscribe to the show. Just find us wherever you access your podcast. Search RNZ Tiahika. Join the show next Sunday. Kia hou maru tenoho. Tēnā tātou katoa.